I was in a conversation uh, earlier today, and in that conversation, it was very apparent to me to, to be of how serious sin is. How serious sin is and how serious it can destroy our lives. Uh, I think one of the, the most tragic things in our day is that we don't take sin seriously. We don't understand how heinous and grievous it is in the eyes of God. Lamentations helps us see the seriousness of sin by helping us understand how Israel um, felt emotionally from the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, Lamentations was, was, is, is a book with five different poems. It's five acrostics, chapter one, all the way to chapter five. So we could say that it talks about the sinfulness of sin from A to Z for our alphabet. In the, in the Hebrew alphabet, it's alpha to tau, all written in, in, a, in, a, in acrostic. And it's interesting that you can read about the, the fall of Jerusalem and other places in, in the book of Kings and Deuteronomy even, when it talk, God pro, first prophesies what's going to happen with the people if they disobey his, his word. But there's a difference when you read a narrative about something versus when you read poetry. Uh, there's, a, there's a different response when you, when you maybe read a, a story versus you hear a song uh, about it. What you're, you're going to see here is you're going to see that the emotional response of what they see happening around them when Jerusalem is overtaken. So first, and just in terms of background, we don't know who wrote the book of Lamentations. Many scholars would kind of connect it to the book of uh, the, the prophet Jeremiah, even how the Hebrew Bible and how the English Bibles are set up. You have uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the Lamentations. You know, why is that? Because Jeremiah, they think, had written uh, Lamentations. The truth is we don't know. Uh, the reason why we would say that Jeremiah wrote it in Second Chronicles 35, 25, it says that Jeremiah uttered a lament for Josiah. And they said that that lament may be this lament itself. We don't know, uh, but we, we know that it was probably written right after the fall of Jerusalem, right around 587, 586 um, B.C. But just hear these, these words, and, you know, beginning in verse 1. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she, has she become. She who was great among the nations, she who was a, a princess among the provinces, has become a slave. You see the, 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 the beginning of the reversal there. God's precious people, the one that he set his love on and, and, uh, as a nation of, of Israel, as we see in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God loves this nation. He's built this, this grand nation of Jerusalem. And it's almost like if you were a Jewish person hearing this lament, you would have been thinking about the days of, of David, the days of Solomon, the days of even Josiah. But those days are gone. Just look at the contrast. A lonely city that was once full of people. A widow who was once great. A princess has become a slave. And just feel the emotions here in verse 2. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Many of you may have had the dark night of the soul when the weight of your sin, the weight of your guilt falls upon you and tears flow down your cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. It's interesting when you read this entire uh, chapter, just I want you to notice how many times the, 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 the Jerusalem, the people of God, have no comfort. They have no rest. They have no 
peace. The promise of God in the Old Testament is that I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to take you to a land where you shall rest. It happens at the, at the end of, of Joshua. The people had rest, but that wasn't the final rest. At the, at the, at the end of David's reign, or as David was reigning, that David had rest from all his enemies, but that wasn't the final rest. So what you see here is that this, this picture of God promising rest, but because of the people's disobedience, there's no rest, there's no comfort. It says all her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of her of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Instead of being God's special people, they are among the nations with no rest. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Verse 4, the rose to Zion mourn. For none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her virgins, a picture of strength and joy and beauty, have been afflicted. And she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper. There's this complete reversal. Once God's cherished special people are now undone. But why? Why are they undone? Look at verse 5. Because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. When you read accounts of the fall of Jerusalem, if you were a, a Jewish person, your heart would have been wretched. This was the, the special place of Jerusalem. We may have a hard time understanding that, but just to think if, if Rock Hill was under siege and places where you used to dine with your family and rejoice and there was just ruins, walking downtown to the beautiful Fountain Park with all the, the trees and the lights was just caved in and, and rubble. There was, there was this sense that that which they once rejoiced in was now under siege. Why? Because of their sins. Because here's what sin doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell you the outcome. Live in your sins. Rejoice in it. But you will pay for it one day. And what the author of Lamentations wants you to see, wants me to see, is the utter destruction of sin. Sin will destroy your life. It happened to Jerusalem, physically destroyed. And God promised this. If you have time later tonight or tomorrow morning, read Deuteronomy 28, this great promise of blessings. If you obey me, you will be blessed among all people. But if you disobey me, you'll be cursed. And all these things will happen to you. And guess what? They disobeyed God. They disobeyed his word. And they faced the full consequences of their sin. Verse 6. From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer. They find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the day of, uh, days of her afflictions and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the foe, there was none to help her. 
Her foes gloated over her. They mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem sinned grievously. Therefore, she became filthy. All who honored her despised her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. It clung closely to her, meaning she took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. It's hard to to really unpack the the, the full scope of what is being communicated here. But it's just again and again showing you how bad the siege of Jerusalem was. And again, it was that bad not because of the enemies, but because of the sins of the people. The Lord was behind this all. Verse 8, Jerusalem sinned grievously. She had became filthy. And even the, the picture of nakedness or un, uncleanness was, the, was a picture of how bad things had gotten for Jerusalem. And even the last nine, verse 9, is the, is, is, the, is, the, is the poem's first announcement from Jerusalem herself. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. And even there, there's not this recognition of their own sin and cause of the, of the turmoil and destruction. It's the enemy has brought this affliction on me. And how often is that with us? We have brought sin upon ourselves and destruction in our own life and friction in relationships because of what we have done, and we blame something else. It's hard to admit our own sin. Verse 10, the enemy has stretched out his hands over all her precious things. For she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those whom you forbade to enter your, sanctuary, your congregation. <clears throat> all her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. And again, Jerusalem speaks, Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. Things got so bad that they would trade that which they once treasured, that which was once the most important thing, the most important, valuable thing in their life. They traded it for mere food to eat because they were starving because they could not eat. Verse 12 through 16 is Jerusalem speaking again to the Lord. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which is brought upon me which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high he sent fire into my bones. He made it descend. He spread a net for my feet. He turned me back. He has left me stunned, faint all the day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke. By his hand they were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me. 
One to revive my spirit, my children are dead. My spirit, my children You can just feel the emotion flowing through as, as Jerusalem calls out all that has happened to them. And again, you see it throughout this little, this little announcement. It is the Lord who brought this up. announcement. It say that the Lord has brought judgment upon a people. We, our, 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 our nation and our society wants to push back on that. This is not God's judgment. Because we don't want to see God's judgment. Because we want to continue to be able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. But if you are going to live in sin, you will face the just, fierce wrath of God. Because of your sin. And as people of God, we should we should be we seeing the, the consequences of sin in our hearts. If it's in our own life, our hearts should break and weep because we have caused this in our own life. If we see this in the lives of others, our hearts should break and have pity on those who walk against the Lord. I don't think that we take sin as seriously as we should in our day. Even the, the narrator in this poem in verse 17, Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. So the nation of Israel calls out, this nation is lost, and the narrator, the author, says the Lord has done this. And again, there is no one to comfort her. I think what Lamentations is designed for is to, to show us this utter hopelessness, utter helplessness in our sin. No one to comfort you. No one to walk with you. No one because of your sin. Sin that you have done in your own will. Look at verse 18. The city starts to realize what has happened. The Lord is in the right. For I have rebelled against his word. So he, the, 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 the city saying, listen, what has happened to me has been right. I have deserved this. I've been thinking about uh, hell over the last week. Some conversations with people within the church and outside, just when people really go to hell and they face the just wrath of God. And one said, that, you know, when we go to heaven, and we find out those who are in hell, we are going to agree with the Lord 100%. Because the Lord's judgments are always right and just. So even though we may grieve when people who don't walk with the Lord, they may be cast into outer darkness. They may experience the wrath of God as is pictured in the siege of Jerusalem as a, as a reminder, as a warning to, to turn from our sins and to turn back to the Lord. They may experience the just wrath of God finally and ultimately in an eternal hell. But God will be just in doing so. That's what this text is saying. The Lord is in the right because no one who is in hell, doesn't deserve to be there. The second half of verse 18, but hear all you peoples and see my suffering. 
and my young women and my young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders perished in the cities while they sought food to revive their strength. Even the, the leaders of the cities could not find food, so they perished of starvation. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My, my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious in the street. The sword bereaves. In the house, it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come upon, come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions, for my groans are many and my heart is faint. All Jerusalem can see what, what has happened to me. Let it happen to those who have done this to me. But just notice right there in verse 21, it says that you have, you have brought the day you announced. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, if you're listening and you're not a follower of Christ, know this, God has pronounced the day of his judgment. That day is fixed for every single person who does not know Christ. The day is going to come. And if you choose to reject God's word, you will face the just wrath of God like the people of Jerusalem when Babylon came and destroyed them and torment and horror happened. If you do not know Christ, know this, that even though there is a day of judgment coming, there is a, a much, a much more gracious God pursuing you even in the midst of your sin. Because we're not reading the whole book of, of Lamentations tonight. We're just looking at one chapter. But what, 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 what it's calling us to do is think there is no hope for us. There is no one to comfort us. We are undone. There is no way we can make it because sin is awful. Sin is horrible. Sin is meant to destroy you. And we should crumble under the weight of our own sin. And what that should do should cause our eyes to look up to where our help comes from. So in the middle of the book, Lamentations chapter 3, just turn there, turn the page, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, we'll come to this often. After two or three chapters of horror upon horror about the siege of Jerusalem, the author says this, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I have hope in the midst of this pain and this agony. What is my hope? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So when Lamentations wants you to feel the full weight of your sin, the full, the full weight of your guilt before a holy God so that you would have no hope until you looked to God who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to experience the horror that we see in the siege of Jerusalem. 
Jesus Christ experienced the separation from God. And what we see in Lamentations 1 is a picture of that separation. And Jesus took it all for us. He took that wrath that we rightly deserve because he loves us. So if you would turn from your sins and you would turn to Christ, you would be forgiven. You would not face the wrath of God. You would not face the wrath that you and I so rightly deserve. But we would experience this text that the Lord's mercy never comes to end end. How amazing is the love of God on our behalf that God would take hell for us so that we can experience the glories of heaven. So what I want you to see tonight, just very briefly, I want you to see that sin destroys. So if you are walking in sin today, turn from it for it destroys. But those of you who who feel the weight of your sin, know this, there is hope. There is hope that never runs dry. Because Jesus Christ has taken the wrath on our behalf and has given us himself. His perfect record and the promise of eternal glory forever and ever and ever. That does not minimize our sin, beloved. 